Welcome back to the Animator Guild podcast, the best show to listen to when doing your in-betweens. For this episode, we have a special guest. Yushin Seven is a Serbian artist and animator who has been a long-time contributor to the Animator Guild monthly challenges and to the Animator Guild short film contest 2020, where she came in close second with her short film, Thank You, Goodbye. Some of you who are listening to this on its release will be hard at work on your Animator Guild contest submissions for the 2021 film contest, getting it finished before the deadline. So I thought it would be a good time to record and release this podcast especially as some encouragement in the lead up to the submission deadline. So please enjoy my discussion with Yushin Seven. Welcome to the podcast, Gordana. AKA Yushin Seven. It's really good to uh, be here recording with you finally at long last. It's been, a th- I think, a year since you submitted your amazing entry to the Animator Guild contest. So it's called Thank You Goodbye. And anyone yeah. who's been listening to this and hasn't yet seen the contest uh, should definitely go and do so. Um, and we're going to be talking about that here and we're going to be asking. Gordana, a bunch of questions. Uh, what were we talking about before we uh, started this? The weather. <laughs> and you, the weather, yes. You are in Serbia. Yeah. Yeah. We're relatively close by. Yeah, which is very good as far as time sync mm. comes into play. Do you uh, live in the city or do you live rural? Like in- uh, I live in the main city in Belgrade. Uh, do you uh, see a lot of interest in animation there? Well... There is. I think there is our scene over here, but I'm not really aware of it that much. Mm. I don't really go out a lot. I don't follow <laughs> what's going on here. So we do have some film festivals. Uh, I think one is called Balkanima. Mm. Uh, that's the one I know of. Uh, it's the festival where you can see a lot of those weird artsy movies that usually leave you very, very <laughs> drained when you leave the theater. Like, what the fuck did I just watch? Kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, but uh, students from my faculty often apply there and their movies can be seen there and from the other countries in region. Mm. That's the only animation festival I know of, but I don't know for other stuff. Your faculty? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I uh, finished the Faculty of Applied Arts in Belgrade. I studied book design, traditional printmaking and illustration. Oh, wow for four years. Um, We do have department for animation as well, but um, I don't think I would get much out of it personally. Mm. I learned a lot more over here than I would over there, but that's also a thing that exists. Yeah. And before that, I studied in high school uh, graphic design. So I started my art education as early as high school, luckily. And after that, after the faculty, I uh, tried applying to master studies, but I didn't get a scholarship, so I took a year off, mm. not knowing really what to do because uh, I kind of did an art test of sorts to see what my potential job could be for one of our prominent book publishing companies. And uh, uh, let's just say I really did not like the idea of having to do stock photo book covers for telenovelas in a form of book. Right, yeah. So uh, I kind of have a bit of existential crisis because I don't know what else I'm going to do here. Mm. And um, I remember that I saw we have few gaming companies that I could apply to. 
Yeah. And um, I was like, okay, I'm gonna prepare a portfolio for that because my dad was nagging at me to either get out to find a job or take master studies. I was like, I don't wanna do either, but okay. So I was preparing for that. And to my surprise, I got the job on the first try. Uh, and it was uh, to be storyboard animatic artist for Hoppa Games. That sounds pretty pretty ideal. Uh, it was it was a really interesting experience. I kind of uh, rediscovered animation through that in a way. Yeah. What kind of games do they make? Like, what are the kind of themes? Well, at that time, uh, we were well known for doing those um, hidden object puzzle adventure games. You know, those who have that have really super yeah. rendered backgrounds where you have to look for stuff until you go blind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they usually have some storylines in them, and there are cut scenes between chapters, and I was doing animatics for that. Oh, that's cool. That seems like... There are, like, a lot of cut scenes within games, right? And so they must need a lot of... a lot of animation work for them. Depends on the technique. Uh, these were really very limited, simple animations. Kind of like uh, puppet animation, in a way, in After Effects. So I was sort of limited by that, but... Yeah, it, it was doing the job. I mean, you can look up, I don't know, mystery case files or hidden expedition or something like that. Because I remember working on those titles. I'll definitely go check them out. Yeah, I, I think um, it's quite recognizable that with your style, you have this kind of illustration first. Or not illustration first, but like if you paused it on a frame, it would look like a, a painting or something. And so it's quite... Um, it's quite recognizable that you have that illustrative style. Well, yeah, I mean, I did start on DeviantArt, of all places. That's where I hung out the most. Right, DeviantArt yeah. and conceptart.org and similar forums. That's all I knew, really, until recently. Like, I wasn't aware that animation community existed at all <laughs> until recently. Yeah, like, DeviantArt used to be, like, one of the biggest hubs of... Uh, yeah. artwork on the internet. I, I'd say it, it seems to have changed a little bit now with uh, the rise of things like ArtStation and Behance and YouTube as well. Um, you have a YouTube channel as well and I, I was actually researching by just watching <laughs> your videos. It's some very fun research just, you know, while eating breakfast, just like, oh yeah, let's watch another one of YouTube uh, 7's <laughs> videos and they're really good. So I would urge anyone who's uh, listening to this and if you're curious and if you've seen thank you goodbye then definitely go check out the youtube channel as well because it's uh it's just really chill as well and you get to hear the thoughts behind the artwork which i really like and appreciate so yeah thanks for making youtube videos i i know recently you've been like a little bit inactive on there but i'm hoping that you'll you know <laughs> make more a little so, bit yeah i mean i usually make one a year, so maybe I'll soon make something and then I'll disappear again, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's very, very, very casual channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is casual, but I kind of like that. I like the chill energy of it. Yeah, I would say that's lack of editing on my part. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh well. Uh, yeah, with me, I take it like, I, I get in my head about it and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I have to get straight to the point, but I think I lose something in that, you know, the relaxing nature of it. For me, it's just being lazy because like, I just can't be bothered to edit. Like, you think I know better. I had photography in my, in my college. I learned all this stuff, but nah. 
I just record, cut out unnecessary things and put something in the back and that's all. But maybe I'll put more effort into it. I don't know. I think it's worth it just coming from someone who who did stick through like the, you know, first hundred videos put onto <laughs> YouTube and it's it was like a grind and mm. it took a long time, but then it does, it starts to pick up. So I think yours would start to pick up if you kept going with it. I mean, in terms of uh, like numbers of followers or views and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to ask you about your film. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's called Thank You Goodbye. It's a short film entirely made by you, <laughs> by yep. Cortana. It was very close between second and first in the uh, Animator Guild contest 2020. It was a really good experience. And I think everyone watching was like quite amazed by it. And some people had uh, different interpretations of it. Some people were confused by it. I remember you saying that some people um, didn't understand it, but even the people, I noticed that even the people that didn't necessarily understand it 100% because it is quite subjective, they still understood it on an emotional level. They were like, that was really beautiful. So I think it achieved something for everyone, I'd say. Could you talk about perhaps your like motivations for making Thank You Goodbye? What started it? What sparked this in the first place? Well, well, I kind of have two motivations behind sticking through making that film. Uh, first, most intense one would be, I guess, uh, I had this need to give proper attention to some of these recurring thought fragments of my mom who passed away a long, long time ago, when I was like five. Um, the older I got, the less I thought about her, but for some reason in the past few years I would find myself, um, for the lack of a better word, triggered more often around Mother's Day and topics around motherhood and similar mm. things. And since I kind of have this OCD-like brain tendencies, uh, my brain would then spin those few, at this point, uh, just snapshots of memories I have of her. And it was starting to get really annoying. Like, I couldn't really get them out of my head. It was really getting disruptive. And since I already have a habit of digging around subconscious mind, poking in shadows and such, uh, I knew that if I don't address this properly, it will only get worse, but... I didn't really know how to approach it because it was a new layer of all the issue I already worked through, but only new emotion about it was brought up to the surface that I wasn't aware it was there before. Um, I was kind of skeptical about using art as a therapy because like, I've been drawing since I was little, what's special about that, but art is at the end of the day tool just like any other and um, I never really used it specifically for that purpose. I accidentally explored that on a whim for our February storyboard challenge, which was uh, uh, one month before contest announcement. And that's when the spark was born, like, hmm, hey, maybe I could like try exploring it in this manner, because I was noticing I was feeling some kind of relief. But I wasn't sure about it, I was too busy with things and all that. But then one month later, the announcement for the contest came out and I took it as a sign and I was like, yes, <laughs> this is a sign. It will be worth the commitment to this. Like, if I was questioning it before, now I know for sure that I am supposed to do this. And that was part of the reason why I decided to embark on that journey. It kind of aligned with the contest, that was lucky. Yeah, yeah. That was really perfect coincidence. Uh, second reason would be the one that um, 
I was and uh, still am in the process of shifting uh, that uh, from that toxic perfectionistic perfectionistic mindset <laughs> that is the root problem for many artists um, and one of the methods for breaking that pattern is to force yourself to finish things no matter what the end result is and for me that started with uh, one of those uh, monthly art challenges like inktober uh, i partook in uh, drawloween specifically and drawtober but the most impactful one was uh, journey june challenge hosted by Cloverkin and Galosar, uh, where we had to use daily prompts based on basic hero's journey and complete a draft for a comic for that month. And that forced me to actually come up with and complete my own story, which I never did before because of those stupid mindsets that we can get into. Like I have to be original or it has to be done perfectly or it doesn't deserve to exist at all. So it kind of forced you to drop those things that were holding you back. And mm -hmm. oddly enough, those things that were holding you back were also the things telling you oh, it has to be great. It has to be, it has to be original. Yeah. I, yeah. I see that a lot. That, that seems to be a common thing. Um, yeah. I mean, that experience made me realize the importance of finishing projects. Um, and most people, like you said, uh, talk about this and, present it as the biggest advice like you have to be okay with making things you need mileage to get better and all that but most people just can't get over the possibility of making something bad like i heard someone said once uh, truth can't be told it must be realized experienced and this challenge in particular is what helped me internalize that truth like i did it and i made a bad thing and nothing really happened if anything uh, i was just left with seeds of good ideas that I could use for something else eventually down the line. Because as the host of that event said, you can't really edit or improve on something that doesn't exist. Mm. And with this, I had something to work with. Yeah. And otherwise I wouldn't have anything. Like I have some cool ideas for storylines and characters that would never happen if I didn't force myself to finish that. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that really stood out about the film was how uh, how personal it was and how introspective it was and despite it being a really personal story I feel like everyone everyone understood it and could really empathize with it which made it really special but um, did it feel um, intimidating in any way to to approach such a personal topic because like it's like people on the other side of the world would know your relationship with your mother and your early childhood memory was did that ever uh was that ever difficult for you or did you not overthink it which would be the smart thing i guess uh, it was but i did my best not to overthink it like i really had to actually suppress the fact that this is going to be public someday and people are going to watch it while yeah. i was working on it and I guess you made it, like you said earlier, that it's it was like therapy for yourself. Like you did it in a way to help yourself um, to understand, I guess, or I don't know. Uh, what, what do you think? How did you, could you speak about that, about how making an animation can help the, the, the creator of that animation? Well, it really is about allowing yourself to process those emotions and feelings, I guess. 
a lot of people uh, most common advice for something like that would be to journal which I do mm. but I guess next step will be trying to express it through art because through visual art because you know it's not same as words you kind of have to think about how are you going to um, express what you think in a visual way that's like your language I guess yeah it's another language really yeah uh, try to figure out how to express yourself in another language which in theory everyone should understand because it's pictures we use pictures to communicate since the dawn of times yeah. you know came and since the caveman days and you did it a hundred percent without dialogue as well so you mm. you never had that as a crutch to for the character to say what or any of the characters to say what they're feeling instead you had to rely on it displaying it visually yeah that's that's the biggest challenge but I also like it the most I don't really like to use words communication was always a problem for me so if I can figure out a way how to show something what I think and feel that would be the best yeah I I have a lot of um, people who who ask me they say you know, they've got an idea in their head, but they're finding it really hard to to actually put it on the screen and make it real with the visuals. Mm. So, um, what was your process for bringing these very abstract thoughts to life? My process, huh? Not really sure how to describe my process. Um, from technical side, I don't really have any. I just took what other people say worked for them. And since most pipelines have similar baseline, baselines, I would just adjust it to my needs and abilities as I go. But when it comes to translating something as feeling as a thought, um, using abstraction to explain abstraction is inefficient at best and confusing mess at worst that will leave you feeling even more misunderstood. Uh, so I find it to be best starting point to link those abstract thoughts to something that's already well established in reality using symbols that are universally understood by most people like I don't know for my short for example um, most people would associate photos with memories for me the room itself is also a memory on its own so when character would try to go out they're being held back by these strings and voices and decide to stay then next level would be how does that feeling of being tied to the past makes you feel and for me those are those those feelings would be kind of like thin strings that are unnoticeable until you try to move from that mind space like how mm. our subconscious mind runs our life and decision making without our conscious awareness and we always feel that pull back when we attempt to leave that program or habit cycle that formed as a result of those traumas and thoughts and whatnot but for someone ties to the past could feel like i don't know being chained by spiky chains and yeah. stop them from even trying to move or being stuck in a cage and so on it could those feelings could look different for some for everyone to explain abstract thoughts in a way that other people could understand them they kind of have to be filtered through the tropes and symbol library human race has built up over time I know a lot of people have issues with uh, labels and definitions nowadays. Um, mm. I do as well to an extent, but their original purpose was to help us categorize for the sake of efficiency and communicate. And we should always use them as starting point, at least for whatever we're trying to say, if we want it to be understood in any capacity by any audience. 
it's unavoidable. Mm, I struggle with that. Like sometimes I'll try, I'll be storyboarding something and I'll be like, I, okay, I want it to feel, I want it to feel really sad or like really angry. And I'll use, okay, th- for, for anger, I'll use the color red, right? And then I have yeah. to actually check myself and say, is this actually the color I use because that's how I feel? Or is it just what society tells me is the color of anger? Like, oh yeah, anger is red and, and that's what you learn from other people. And so, yeah. yeah, like, I think this film came up with a lot of, like, quite original um, metaphors for those kind of things. Yeah. But it's a tough one. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky to teach it as well, or to explain it to others. Yeah, how we kind of have to start from the tropes. Because this, that's what we all agreed to use, I guess, over the time. But you can eventually spice it up and add something your own to it. That's how you get something original i guess and then that i guess uh would become the language eventually if it's like a famous enough animation that would be cool yeah it would so i wanted to ask you about your participation in the monthly challenges as well because you've been like one of our most active members in the monthly challenges as well as the the film contest i just wonder like how have you found the experience of participating in the monthly challenge? Uh, it was fun. I really liked it. Um, getting back into practicing animation is helping me losing, loosen up, in a sense. Uh, like, not to care about accuracy and polish so much. Uh, the tendency is still there. I am illustrator at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, focusing on just getting that flow of movement right is helping me capture it better, even in my illustrations. So it feeds into each other really nicely and that's good yeah like especially uh that that one you made of the uh like the wizard turning into a dragon no it was a dragon turning into like a guy with a cape that was flying when i saw that i was like wow she's really got the flow correct and it's moving so naturally yeah yeah i loved it (laughs) i don't know i don't know how could i sleep on animation so long Uh, it's been like i like doing it since high school like i was always doodling bouncing balls and squiggling lines at the corner of my notebooks and I think I had two flipbook assignments throughout my education and I enjoyed doing both of them. I think one of them is even on my YouTube, the one with egg oh, I haven't uh, seen hopping it. around the surface and then it just falls into a pan and that's it. <laughs> I think it's called happy egg with unfortunate fate or something like that. <laughs> but. I always loved animation, I just don't know why I didn't, well, I know why I didn't do it before. It's because it never really occurred to me that I could. And it is only recently that I found out about programs that I could do it with and and all that. Yeah, it takes seeing uh, either a community or a few individuals of doing it and then you you get to ask yourself like, hey, they're doing it, like, I guess I can do it too. Like, that's how I got involved in animation as well. And I, I probably yeah. wouldn't have pursued it if I didn't, if I wasn't able to see other people doing it and then realize that it was possible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's really good way to learn, actually, fundamentals of art, because it's one thing to do one or two uh, detailed study of a hand or a figure or something like that, but it's completely different to try to make it move Yeah. and turn in space. Yeah, like it, you, it's like the ultimate form of drawing practice. If you think of like 
a figure who's turning round, then you have to draw that figure from every angle yeah. as they turn around. So it's actually really good drawing practice. Or hand moving. Yeah, I mean, you get you get a lot of practice and mileage. Yeah. They tell you you need to get. So best of both. Do you have any ideas for monthly challenges, things that you secretly were hoping would be brought up in the monthly challenges? Uh, I was thinking about that, but I really don't have any suggestions. That's all right. Mm. I thought I would ask anyway, because we're always looking for new ideas. Yeah. So um, for your YouTube channel, um, you talk a, a fair amount about like personal health and, and maintaining that as an artist and the challenges of that. Um, so I thought I would ask you like any kind of things you're experimenting with or trying when it comes to maintaining good health and, and also positivity. So it's like mental health as well as physical health um, during and around production. Huh. Well, uh, I can't really give good advice on the physical ones. It's I'm in the process of taking care of that myself. Um, I have a bit of a weight issue, which I started taking care of last year. And uh, I did make some humble progress on that. But what I can definitely say is that quality of the diet, sleep and being physically active really is important. Like people are really underestimating how much easier it is to deal with uh, stresses of life when you're not chronically fatigued or in pain all the time. So that's definitely one of the biggest lessons I learned ever since I started taking care of mine. And I'm still working on that. But it's much better uh, since that time I talked about it on my channel, which was like, I don't know, two years ago or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I made a bit of progress since then. Yeah. It's been two years I made a little bit of progress. Well, that's good. And just, and just that little bit was enough to teach me those lessons. And as far as mental side is concerned, um, I found it helpful to, um, well, journal, I guess. All right, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, I would often um, get a bit of um, anxiety around, I don't know, difficult tasks at work. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and, and then uh, I would just start writing down what is annoying me about a task, what's the problem, and then I'll start trying to work out how do I solve it. And I usually come up with a solution by the end of that writing session. Mm. And I break it down into smaller tasks, and then I... Uh, take then chip away at it little by little and that's how I get through my days when I have those <laughs> moments uh, what's other than that um, hmm. yeah sometimes when you feel overwhelmed it can be useful to do that uh, as I call it get back to the present short meditation like just focus on everything that's around you the dog barking hmm. the bright color of the wall or something like that just to ground yourself in the present moment it can help uh, stop whatever process was going on you have a nice bright red wall in your room is that the one they use <laughs> yeah <there? laughs> uh, funny coincidence my room also happened to be red and black by accident oh nice <laughs> it started with wall and then i bought a new desk and it happened to be black and oh well i guess good color scheme i approve yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I use a journal, but more to it's less complex than than yours or, or less detailed. I I only go to the journal when normally when I have like a decision to make, and I just can't. Um, 
I can't untangle the different reasons of saying yes or no to something. And that's when I'll just yeah, do yeah. that really simple table of like positives and, and or benefits and negatives. Pros and cons. Yeah, pros and cons, pros and cons for, yeah. for that. And that, that really helps me because if I see that there's like 10 points in the cons and one point or three points in the pros, I'll usually go, I'll usually say no. So that's helped yeah. me a lot. I use it sometimes for that too, but my journaling is mostly come has mostly come down to I just take scrap of paper and just write on it furiously <laughs> because I I just use it as a way to vent. That's all. Oh, okay. And yeah. you can't really do it on the phone and keyboard because I keep misspelling things and my autocorrect keeps correcting in the wrong <laughs> way. So my my autocorrect needs autocorrect and then I get mad at that and then I just I don't know. It's easier for me just to scribble and write and it doesn't matter if I can't read it. I don't I don't go back and read that anyway. I just throw it into recycling. Yeah, that that's more uh, healthy than going on Twitter and then typing it out on oh, yeah. Twitter and then you get called out for it later on. So Notebooks don't remember, you'll just burn them when you're done. And Twitter, yeah. it's there forever. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, I'm also someone who doesn't use Twitter to, to vent about anything. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's much better to have a... Uh, a, a way that's yeah. less public so journaling yeah. is perfect for that yeah i agree yeah i never i never knew appeal of doing that publicly like why why yeah i had a friend explain it to me and they were like oh do you ever get just do you ever just get so frustrated one day that you just want to shout to the world about your your problems and and i'm like well yeah but the consequence of that is that you upset people make them angry and it just feeds into this ball of hate uh that yeah. is so objectively speaking like outside yourself i don't think it's a good idea no yeah i mean i i usually tell my dad if i'm annoyed about something or to my group of friends but that's all yeah like they're not going to go and like pick at you and and stuff whereas uh, just yeah. if you say it to the public who knows what what the reaction will will be God, I'm scared for my niece when she gets deeper into the internet oh, world. Yeah. How like old is your niece? 10, 11. Oh, she's right. on the She's on the TikTok all the time and follows some really hmm, people. <laughs> Her generation is growing up like with the internet from a really young age, which is a yeah. it's a weird thing because I think uh, perhaps with people more our age, we uh, we had that time. I, I would say we we had a time when we were young kids and we weren't on the internet. But nowadays, I feel like uh, young people like pre-teens are getting phones and then they're going straight onto these social media platforms. And it's... Pre-teens? I, one of my other nieces got her first phone when she was five. Wow. And seeing her watching like Nicki Minaj music videos on YouTube, like, what? Do these people even pay attention to what they're playing to their kids. I mean, I don't know. It's crazy. I, I miss those simple times. I yeah. mean, I, I was born in 90s. I grew up without the internet. We kind of got to experience both. Yeah, I grew up with... My dad was really into Apple at the time, and that was actually kind of a rare thing. Like, most people didn't have an Apple computer. But he he was really excited one day, and he, he said he went to the Apple store, and he bought one of their early computers it was one that have has like a dome at the bottom and then it's got like this kind of lever sticking out and then the screen i think that was my first experience with a computer and we played it had one game on it 
which was not connected to the internet. I don't think the computer was ever connected to the internet. And we would just play that game over and over. And it was, <laughs> it was a game where like, if you died, you just had to start at the very beginning again. Oh. So yeah, if oh for God. anyone out there who, who, um, who can relate to that? It, the the name of the game was Automatic. Leave a comment if you remember that game. Anyway, let's bring it back on track. So I got another question for you. How do you balance a self-critical view with being productive? Hmm. Well, I'm not really sure what you mean about self-critical view. I mean, like ability to uh, critique yourself. Well, I saw your behind the scenes video on um, Thank You Goodbye. And my observation was that you are taking on board all the criticism um, and definitely seeing the places where you could improve, um, which is, I think, what every artist does in a way. They, they have to be concerned with how to improve, where the production might be lacking, and, and just because that's how you fix something. You have to identify it before you fix it. But I know that there's this kind of ledge that happens, like a cliff that you can fall off of if you go too close to it. Yeah. And when you fall off it, it sounds like, oh, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. What's the point? This so-and-so is better than me. Uh, it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> I know what you mean. Well, with that said, I would, I see to separate my sense of self-worth from my productivity as much as I can first. Mm. Uh, criticism coming from oneself or the others shouldn't play a factor in one's productivity. To me, critique is just a tool you're supposed to use to improve. It shouldn't be making you feeling any way. It's just the data. That's all. That's, uh, that's all it should be. You make mm. a thing, you don't look at it for a bit, come back to it and critique it as you would someone else's art with intention of improving it. Because many just stop at identifying what's wrong, but they never try to do overpaint of their own stuff or give themselves advice like they would to another fellow artist. And if you don't have faith in your ability to objectively observe yourself and uh, notice your own mistakes and bad art habits, that's what critique groups are for. That's what critique groups are for, I guess. Mm. But we can have a whole another podcast on just how to ask, receive, give, and apply constructive feedback. Mm. So better not open that whole topic now. But I usually love when I get critique because you see it as opportunity to improve. Mm. I think that's a good interpretation of, of it. Yeah, because I think if you, if you get a critique and then you're like, oh no, that means that there's something wrong with my art. Well, then you were assuming before you got that critique that nothing was wrong with your art, which is like yeah. a weird uh, thing to, to assume about your art. I mean, it's inevitable that there's something that could be improved about it. There always is. So why not just try and find that out? Well, one of the main goals for me with my art is to communicate. And if I fail to communicate something somewhere, I want to know where I failed mm. in that attempt to communicate. Yeah. and. And if I have some technical blind spots, like I know that at work, for example, I am uh, working on 2D graphics for the final that go in the game. And I'm not used to finishing things, bringing it to that level of polish. And I often don't see those small details that my other lead artists see. Like, mm -hmm. to me, this is done. What else should I do? And he was like, 
well, you miss a shadow over there. There's uh, you missing texture here. Damn, right. yes, you're right. I really did miss that. <laughs> Just coming off of that, do you see like a difference between the way people give and receive critiques online versus in your in your job and your work? Yes, definitely. Because in my job, for example, it's all very objective. There's no room for feelings. Like, mm. It is what it is. There's no room for interpretation that way. Unless, of course, you end up making the same mistake more than once, then you start wondering, like, what am I doing? <laughs> is something going on here? But uh, one thing that I see the most, uh, for example, online when other artists uh, ask for critiques is they either too vague, they're like, uh, hey, I did this drawing, uh, critique, please. Like, uh, okay, why should I... What? what? And on, on the other hand, sometimes they ask for something specific, but it's not really the right thing they should ask. Like, mm. someone posts uh, some really cr crusty art <laughs> of, I don't know, Goku or whatever. They're like, hey, 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 how can I improve my line art? And I'm like, brother, you have way more problems than line art here. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't, really, I don't really know how to approach it. Like, should I just keep quiet or do I make a wall post with all the... Nah. I usually just give up because they either don't respond to the critique or just say, okay, thanks, and they do nothing with it. And here I am sitting because I'm used to for my job. Like, you get critique, you know what you need to fix, you fix it, you come back. And usually when I give critique online, no one really comes back <laughs> with updates. Perhaps when, like, when the community gets too big, it's more like the individual members feel like they can just receive something but not give in return. Whereas if you walk into a group of, like, five people and you ask uh, for a critique, you know that you've got to, you've got to now give a, a critique to someone, otherwise you're kind of like in debt to, to whoever that is, or to, to, to the group. But yeah, I see that as well. Um, trying to implement, not even implementing policies, but like encouraging people in the Animator Guild community to, to have that kind of approach of like, first of all, of giving and receiving so if you receive a critique you should also give one and just do it in the same amount of time that you're on there I guess or like do it yeah. for the previous person but also for yeah being open to to critique but also like not going too hard on a complete stranger that you've never met before yeah, yeah so it's a difficult balance mm. yeah so uh, what mm. uh, size is the team that at your workplace on the on the game you're working on? It's big. I think we have over 20 artists or so. I think there's a lot. I don't even know who all those people are because we're split into different teams. Really? Since, but yeah, um, our company was um, recently absorbed into the Playrix ecosystem, if you've heard of them. I'm sure, I'm sure you saw games like Gardenscapes, Homescapes, that uh, cute little bald butler man with mustache. I I don't think I have, but it's not surprising yeah. if I haven't heard of it just because I, I'm so out of touch with, with games. I try and stay away from them because I'm like a gaming addict. Yeah. I, I used to be a gaming addict, so I try and just stay away to not tempt my addiction. This is mobile game. It's one of those match-free games and then you change your furniture and all that. And they have events of all kinds. It's fun. It's a fun little game. Well, we work for that company now, and we're developing something for uh, that whole thing. And we also have teams that uh, help out on production of those games as well. So I'm not really sure how many artists we have, but we have, we have a lot of them. 
do you uh do you go in to to an office no i've been working since november 2019 like before this covid thing right. started so and my lifestyle before that was already what many people describe as quarantine so this hasn't <laughs> affected me a lot at all <laughs> you were quarantining it, before it was cool yeah <laughs> yeah it's just another day for me while people around me are going insane because they can't go out and like <laughs> did you apply for that or did they contact you Huh, well, funny thing, that that is technically the same studio that I started working with when I was doing animatics. Uh, uh, after w- one year after I started working, uh, my department shut down and then we were transferred to another project. We were working some kind of, um, we were doing some indie game, some slasher kind of thing. Oh, okay. Uh, and I started working as concept artist then. Uh, I was focusing on environment and props. And then when that project was done, uh, the company was shutting shutting down since like it wasn't really that successful and we were moving on and we were becoming part of this network anyway. So I was offered to do uh, art test for that new company and I took it past and I've been there ever since. So basically at the moment I am concept artist focused on architecture and interiors. Oh, cool. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, you will never tell by looking at my work online because I do character stuff. But yeah, no, actually, you do a lot of character stuff. Yeah, I actually draw houses that's, and other things. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you find that you uh, learn things when drawing architecture and housing that you bring across to, to your character work? Yeah, or rather I can bring what I, what I was doing in character work to environments because environments have character as well. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Is drawing characters or painting characters your main passion? Is that like your outlet that you do outside of of uh, your work? I do enjoy doing character stuff outside of work. Mm. Probably because I don't do it at work at all. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it balances out very nicely. But if I hadn't started working as a concert artist, I don't think I would ever touch backgrounds, like ever. Mm. Now I'm glad I did, because I, I, I discovered I actually quite enjoy doing backgrounds. And now I catch myself drawing backgrounds in my free time and I'm like, oh damn, did I just actually become concept artist? I don't know. Because I never really saw myself as one. Me, doing concepts, never. But now I work as one. Yeah, like, what's the difference between a concept artist and an illustrator where you are? Well, with concept art, um, it's a lot more about research Mm. and applying that research in design. It's not that much about the final polished image as much as it's coming back coming up with all the elements that make it up because you can have really nice polished illustration but if design is bad then what's the point right so with the illustration it's the final product and then with concept art it's all the different iterations and things that make it Mm. not saying that uh, that illustration doesn't have good ideas it does in it from all the youtubers i saw that do illustrations i see a lot of them are actually doing concept art before they do the final piece anyway right yeah like they make sketches they they figure out compositions and all that and design for the stuff and then they do the final product which ends up on the instagram and whatnot yeah so concept art really is important part if you important uh, component if you want to make successful piece of art because anyone can take just a picture or character and just render it out really nicely yeah yeah 
Well, you say anyone, but I don't think wow. people could do it quite as well as you if they tried. <laughs> oh, well, you made the point there. I guess this is a good part to segue into your inspirations and your role models. Do you have any you could, mm. you could name? Well, there are a few artists that I can name as representative of the stuff that I'm generally into right now. Mm. That would be someone like, I don't know how to say their name. It's written dot. A-N-Q-I, Anki. Uh, I really like how they use color palettes in their work. I really love how they use colors. Then I like um, dudes like Pete Moorbacher, mm. the Angelarium guy. Yeah, he, he you know goes him? on, yeah. Yeah, he's good. I don't know the first like one, I have to check them out. But Peter Moorbacher, oh, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's, he makes a lot of artwork and it's so high quality. Yeah, mm. beast. And then there's Gway, and um, there is Tim Von Rieden. He's doing pencil art, illustration, fantastical, really flowy nicely. And uh, I follow a bunch of Japanese artists on Twitter. I can't remember or say their names to save my life, but that's a thing that I follow. I like pixie artists in general, like the, the color palettes they use, the, the cell shading style, which they sometimes mix with semi-realistic and it looks really good. Mm. Um, I follow few animators on Twitter as well. I like all of them, can't remember any of them right now. <laughs> but yeah, and as far as role models, I don't really have anyone I look up to that much. I guess it would be sort of, well, I don't, I'm not sure if I would recommend this podcast, but I've been enjoying content from uh, Tentacle Croissant podcast <laughs> i have not heard of that but i will i will dare to type that into the internet and find <laughs> out uh it's not as goofy as it sounds uh, it's it's run by two dudes who are um i think they're they're named pierre xo and richard granon and they talk a lot about um they have interesting discussions about what's going on in society they discuss theories psychology and all that I really love their conversations, they're fun to listen to, and that's uh, what I have in the background as I work often. All right. And One Fantastic Week, which is also run by Pete Morbacher and his buddy Sam Flegel, I really I really love those uh, mentorships they do with people. Right, yeah. I, I haven't actually seen much of what he does online other than like him posting his artwork and uh, his kickstarter campaign i think mm. does he create content regularly uh yeah i mean other than his paintings he's doing the weekly podcast with sam flegel where they um, often interview illustration artists um they they were more focused on the cons mm. on the convention scene right yeah and illustrate and like pure illustrators and all that but they also started doing these mentorships with other artists where they helped them i don't know find their own voice their own style help create business plan and whatnot and that's interesting to listen to mm. do you ever really see yourself doing one. something like that like <laughs> the cons i was thinking about it but nah i don't have time yeah right now if i get another sign i might do it i hear it's uh, quite a difficult hustle to take your artwork to the cons and and things and yeah yeah apparently um you know, it's like the top artists can make it work and they can break even with it. This is just what mm. I hear, though. I, I haven't actually... I, I've only been to a con as a 
as a visitor, someone just going around the place. But apparently, uh, it's very difficult to to get into that. Yeah, and make it work. I know even less than you. We don't really have cons over here of that magnitude. Mm. We only have like Japanism once a year, mm. or something. <laughs> we have artist alley over there, and but I don't think they're actually living by doing that. So what's the dream then? If it's not cons, what is your big goal? It's not my dream, that's for sure. <laughs> way too social for me. Way too work. <laughs> what would your dream be? Um, I don't really have any big dreams and aspirations. Like, <laughs> wow. I, uh, I don't know. It's too stressful just dealing with the present moment, let alone about a future that doesn't exist. And then there are ghosts of the past that I'm, ghosts of the past that I'm always dragging with me, <laughs> and I revisit them occasionally when they start knocking on my window a little too loudly. <laughs> so I don't know. That sounds like an animation idea. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, more immediate plans are I want to do thermal insulation on my house. Mm. I'm saving up money for that. I've. I, I pretty much took over my household when my dad got sick last year. So I'm doing those landlordy things, mm. I guess. Uh, we were trying to uproot the tree today. We didn't succeed. It won. <laughs> the tree won. We'll get it. The tree won. We'll get it tomorrow. It's <laughs> always uh, so tomorrow. Maybe my, my dog helps out. I don't know. He's digging holes all the time. Maybe he should help with that one. I think there aren't many people who just say... No future, no future goals. Nope. Not 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 worrying about it. Not nope. Taking future is here. Yeah, because I'm someone who here. very much thinks of the future. So that's really that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah a few months is as far as I go. Before anything beyond that, I'm like <laughs> my brain fries again. That's pretty good for focusing, I guess. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I could learn from that and focus a little more on the present. Last uh, thing I've got written down here is takes it back to the. Uh, the film contest and also the monthly challenges I guess because you're like you're now like a veteran in both of them so I was wondering yeah. uh, if you would have any advice to people who are now doing <clears throat> this for the first time I know they've already submitted by this point because of when we're recording this but uh, would you have any advice uh, for, for first time filmmakers uh, entering one of these events i don't know just do it i mean you got nothing to lose just make your thing and submit it <laughs> what's the worst thing that can happen nice and simple nice and to the point maybe i'm saying that because i already been through that and i survived yeah that's all i'm other than that i just have words of encouragement like don't give up mm. just do whatever you want to do whenever you can however you can just don't stop Sequel to just do it, don't stop. Just do it and don't stop. <laughs> once yeah. you just do it, then you don't stop. Yeah, I mean, take a break once in a while, but always continue. Always with intention to move, move on. Mm. It doesn't have to be now, it doesn't have to be 100%, but even the minimum is going to stack up eventually. And you'll see that you're much further away than you thought it would be if you were to do nothing. Did you uh, keep a spreadsheet at all when you worked on your film? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I multiple so. spreadsheets. I thought I saw a spreadsheet there in the <laughs> in the video uh, that you made. Yeah, first it was spreadsheet uh, on the that Google thing. I forgot what it's called. Well, spreadsheet, I guess. Yeah, Google Sheets, and, I think. Yeah. 
And in the end, I moved on to my notebook. <laughs> I just printed it out and put it there because it was easier for me to look at the notebook than on the screen. Oh, the other thing, oh, I remembered. You made your own music track to it. Yeah. That was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I I, just, I was like, yeah. wow, like, because I didn't actually know. I, I must have not been paying attention if, if it was in the, if the credits. But yeah, credit is pretty much just shifting positions and my name underneath. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. With exception of my friend, who helped out with coloring a little bit, and we actually uh, had planned to make uh, to enter this year's contest as well. But uh, we wanted to make a uh, animated trailer for her book. She published a book, oh, really right. cool story and all that. But unfortunately, things came up and we couldn't do it. But thankfully, by the next year. Maybe we'll have translation to English, to English of that book. Yeah. And then it will make sense to have a trailer for it. But that was the plan. It didn't happen, but intention was there. <laughs> oh, I'm just glad that there's some there's a plan on the horizon for for you that I can look forward to. So that's good. There is, there is. But you actually bought instruments and everything while you were doing this production. Yep. Got the what? What model is that? That's a keyboard, the MIDI keyboard. The Keystation Mini 32M Audio. That's the cheapest thing I could find here. I mean, cheapest instrument. That's great. I don't think many people would actually do that. Like you know, <laughs> they would. Because uh, I remember when I was first starting, uh, for a long time I didn't go into music because I just thought that's just that's just a whole different dimension. You know. It is. But I figured that would be much easier than to slap my keyboard randomly yeah. <laughs> and try to pick with a mouse that made it thing. It was so much, this was so much faster and easier. But yeah, I did music on my own somehow uh, three hours before deadline. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's even more impressive. Yeah, I mean, I already had the main beat. I just had to fill out, fill out the rest. Yeah. But God, that was, that was a rush. I literally submitted one hour before deadline, <laughs> two hours. Yeah. And then after that, I kept working on it. But yeah, that was wild. So when you submitted it, or when you were making that music in a in a mad hurry before the deadline, <laughs> had you already pictured or, or imagined in your head what the music soundtrack was going to be like? Uh, not really. <laughs> I was kind of winging it, for the most part. Uh, I think you have a, a potential talent there. Yeah, yeah, another one to work on. Do you think you'll be making more music now that you have the keyboard? Definitely, I have the keyboard. I have to justify using it, <laughs> buying it. You've got to justify the expense now. Yes, I have to get my money's worth mm. one way or the other. So just like that, you're a musician now. Yeah, I guess. That's really good, yeah. Uh, I'm also making music, but I don't make them for my animations. I don't know why. Maybe I should try it. Maybe you should. That's a good place to uh, to finish off. We've been recording for an hour now. And uh, yeah, I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on, giving encouragement, words of encouragement to to the uh, other animators in the in the community. I think they'll really appreciate that and, and your insights into this. It's been really cool. Thank you for having me. I was waiting on this for a long time. It's been a year. <laughs> I'm so and sorry to have kept happened. you waiting. Yeah. <laughs> It was, uh, I see other podcasts coming out and I'm like, 
when's my turn? Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting here. I know. And then the mail came, like, yes. <laughs> it's been... I'm not forgotten. <laughs> yeah, no, I hadn't forgotten. I was, it was just, you know, on the list and I was like, you know what? I think this is going to be a good podcast to bring out when we we go to the 2021 uh, contest. So that was, but... I've definitely got some work to do when it comes to organization and letting people know uh, when I'm planning to do these things. But it got done. That's important. Something to improve, but there always is something to improve, I guess. And uh, yeah, let's stay in touch and uh, I hope to see that animation soon. I want to see it. Me too, brother. Me too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you.